Welcome to this episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast, coming to you as always practically live from high above the Mellow Mushroom here in downtown metropolitan Franklin, Tennessee, the place where it typically is difficult to park. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's court day. How am I just now finding out that we record on court day? <laughs> that speaks oh, well of you. I don't go to court. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh, by contrast, Mondo knew that it was court day. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I know we were late. That is so freaking true. <laughs> well acquainted with that place. Yeah. Well, it's great to be back with you guys here. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, in the middle of this crazy, insane Middle Tennessee weather, where, huh? If there's if there's Indian summer, what is this winter thing that we get every year around mid-April? What's My called? daughter called it dogwood winter. Huh? Uh, she said you named this this unseasonable late frost. If it's a killing frost, whatever's in bloom when it comes is what you name the winter. So, huh? Yeah. Okay. That's morbid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it's, it's like a memorial highway. <laughs> yeah. Did it did it freeze last night? Yes, it did. Yeah, it did, huh? Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. And that, by the way, uh, our dear listeners, is the voice of today's guest, Rob Murray, who we're going to interview later. You're going to love him. But meanwhile, Rob, please jump right in at any point in this conversation. Sounds good. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, before we went on air here. Mondo was complimenting Newton on this huh. facial growth that's going on. I've got a, I've got a winner's beard. Yeah, okay. And it's winters with a T, but it's also a winner's. Like, I'm a winner's <laughs> beard. It is a victory beard. Yeah. yeah. It's probably better we're not a video blog. Uh, no, but actually it does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It keeps coming up, the video the video podcast. Yeah. The video podcast. Yeah. Well, you're looking sharp, though. How do you trim that thing? Um, well, my wife, as it turns out, trims it. She is a dog groomer. And oh, I do, appropriate. Right. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. I've been waiting for that one. I do good to trim my mustache and my eyebrows. I do good to keep eyebrows and not just a singular <laughs> eyebrow. Eyebrow. Right? Yeah. Okay. right. Gotcha. Um, that's when I knew that I found true love is when someone, my wife, Said you need to fix that. You need to make that. <laughs> you, you need to make that two eyebrows and not one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but yeah, she she trims it for me, and um, she is wonderful with grooming dogs. But apparently, they have thicker skin than humans. So when she uses her thinning shears to do it, and you guys can't see what I'm doing, but like you kind of lift the scissors as you're doing it with thinning shears, and it kind of pulls the hair out. And she pulled that crap with me. <laughs> I howled. It hurt. Like she went and like clipped a little bit and then pulled out. Yeah. It hurts. Yeah. Um. So be nice to your dogs when you send them to the groomer, because they're getting their hair pulled out. Yeah, that's um, yeah. It's cut, but then it's pulled. Um. So yeah. That looks well, good though, man. Thanks. It's got some wisdom going on there with yep. the gray. A little bit of gray. Yes. It looks like yeah. a baby Gandalf. Yeah. Baby Gandalf. Yes. It's gray. Yeah. It's hard, man. Man, it's if hard. I can live to be a million-year-old wizard or how old Gandalf was, I'd be okay with that, Yeah, maybe. I don't know that I want to be eternal in that sense, but, yeah. I have it down to my waist, you know. Keep my belly button warm in the winter. <laughs> That's a visual. <laughs> so have you uh, climbed anything interesting lately? Uh, no. No, 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 uh, no. 
I had to get on a ladder yesterday, and I didn't like that. Okay. Um, All right. I don't like extension ladders. I like climbing. I hate extension ladders. Man. They they wobble. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 I've no. spent many an hour at the top of a 40-foot ladder. Yeah. 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 That just, when I was young and stupid, I don't want to do it anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. I know, and I, I used to, and then somehow in the process of having a climbing gym, I put siding on my house, like <laughs> holding a freaking wing of siding. Like, yeah, right, trying, sure. Yeah. I'm doing all kinds of hand motions that you guys are totally missing out on, on audio. <laughs> but like holding a full 12-foot piece of siding, like at the very top of a ladder trying to get it to, to go to go on the house. Yeah. And now if I'm 10 feet off the ground on a, on a ladder, on an extension ladder, normal ladders, yeah. I'll stand on top, I'll take one foot off, it can be on a wobbly floor, I don't care. Yeah, it's the extension yeah. ladder that makes noises and shimmies. Uh-huh. Like, uh-uh. Uh-huh. No, I'll take a harness, please. I may retract my Gandalf statement with the wisdom. <laughs> yeah, well, I just it won't. It may not get past the point of middle-aged Gandalf. So, yeah. What, what about you? What have you been into? What have I been into? Well, let me see. I've been traveling a lot. Have you climbed anything interesting lately? No, I um, I've made the avoidance of climbing <laughs> into an arch. Just, all the, just on the top, just to the top of bar stools. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of our stools, I, I, a couple of weekends ago, I spoke for some Presbyterians. I love going to Presbyterian retreats um, in uh, Montreat, North Carolina, which is not too far from Asheville, which is a fantastic beer town. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, I was... I mean, fortunately, I was speaking, so uh, I had to be more moderate than usual in my consumption. <laughs> so I was there for an entire afternoon and had two beers, which is sad when there are like 12 brewers right. and you have to pick two and drink one pint each place. Yeah, that's not very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I need a road trip. Yeah. Oh, An Asheville remote podcast. Five hours near, yeah, uh-huh. Something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah, it sounds like a road trip, bro. <laughs> I want to tell you, yeah, there's a new place there called the Wicked Weed, which is unbelievable. Anyway, had a great time with those guys, uh, with the Presbyterians, and then last week I was with, that was in North Carolina, last weekend I was with Pentecostals in South Carolina. It was a contrast. But uh, <laughs> but but it was but it was a great weekend. I had a wonderful time with those cool. guys. Where were you in South Carolina? I was I was in Columbia, South Carolina. Oh. I was uh-huh. in Columbia. I was just <laughs> you know what? <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 it's, a, it's an hour from Augusta, and we were right. it was the weekend of the Masters. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the pastor, when I get there, I didn't nobody. I didn't have a traveling companion that weekend, so. Uh, so I just, Allie drove me to the airport. He picked me up at the airport. I stayed at his house. Yeah. He casually mentions when I get there on Friday, well, you know, he says, uh, boy, I wish I'd thought about it. I could have gotten you tickets to the Masters. What? If you'd have come yesterday, you could have gone to the first round. I turned them down. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> Did you immediately up your feet? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Wow. You just don't bring up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Even if he knew that, just don't bring that up. Don't bring that right. up. <laughs> Shake the dust off your feet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's up in Mondo World? Oh, my gosh, dude. There's a lot going on. Uh-huh. Uh, nothing bad, though. Everything's cool. Uh, 
Man, then, um, okay, so I got to tell you something kind of cool. So you guys have been downtown, mm-hmm. and you've seen the Pedal Taverns. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. yeah, yeah. So you should the mobile tavern where everybody right. sits yeah. and you have pedal. Yeah, you, yeah, you have a pedal. pair of pedals. You have a pair of pedals. Right. Um, and you're, you're pedaling your tail off. Right. And you're drinking. Right. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's like... Who's that? Who's there's a, there's <laughs> there is a sober a guy that's steering. <laughs> and you're all kind of facing her like you're sitting at a like a yeah. rectangular bar. Mm-hmm. And you're pedaling to move the... The bar bike. on wheels. Yeah, it's basically like a big, huge bike with like 15 people pedaling. Right, uh-huh. and drinking. And drinking. Yes. Yeah, and there's music and everything. So, I get a call from one of my crazy friends, and he says, hey man, I need your help. So okay. He said, well, I, I need you to come downtown. So, all right. He said, meet me in front of Hard Rock, okay? I'll go down there, uh-huh. and uh, I said, okay, well, what's up? He said, all right, well, I need your help driving this thing. <laughs> I was like, wait, th- now pe- pedaling? Now we're going to find out. So he created his own version. Of the <laughs> he built it, spent seventy thousand dollars on this thing, built a pedal tavern. Ask he calls it the Sprocket Rocket. Okay. His slogan is "Come sit and spin on the Sprocket Rocket." Wow. <laughs> okay. So he has this thing. He has this thing, and he's like, "Hey, I, I need help. My guy who was supposed to help me." It didn't show up. Can you drive this thing or either bartend? So you have a host who's bartending while everybody's pedaling. He has somebody driving. So I'll oh, yeah, because there's somebody in the middle of the bar. Yeah, there's somebody in the middle right. of the bar kind of hosting. Uh-huh. So I'm like, uh, okay, cool. I'll, I'll hang out. So we, I did that for the first day. Wait, are you legally allowed to serve alcohol? Yeah, open container law, man. So oh, okay. You're actually allowed to. So no, no, you know, you just got to pour it out into, into a, a plastic cup. Got it. Cup. Got it. So there has to be one less the amount of people on the vehicle. Okay, because it counts as a vehicle. Right, it counts as a, as a vehicle. So wow. I yeah. love Tennessee. So if there's 17 <laughs> people, 16 can drink. Right. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It sounds flipping nuts. It, it is nuts. So, so the first day he has to come out, man, and this is this. I'm trying to shorten it because there's a lot that happens. But every two hours there's a new tour, and it, the the environment changes dramatically. So the, the first tour, he said, "Hey, we, we got all these soccer moms coming. I call it the Cooper Tour." I was like, say what? <laughs> and he's like, well, they're all soccer moms, and it is a do 11 o'clock a.m., and they are getting hammered. Oh. Well, so they can go pick their kids up at 2, 3 o'clock. Oh. So, you got to start early if you've got responsibilities. So, so, so I'm like, okay, cool, you good? He said, is your guy coming? He's like, no, I need you to stay the rest of the day. I said, well, how long? He said, 12, it's about 10. I was like, Pam? <laughs> Uh, so, all right, okay, okay, I guess I canceled everything I had going on. The next tour we had was a group of military guys. Uh-huh. They were very, you know, disciplined at first. Very uh-huh. An hour later. I mean, wild. These dudes are throwing jello shots to people out in public. Like, oh. You know, like, I mean, I had to calm them down. Like, yeah. I mean, trying to calm a whole bunch of guys that just got back from Afghanistan. But they pedaled in perfect rhythm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, Right now, <laughs> <laughs> and they're just, I mean, they're on it, man. So, my buddy, <laughs> can we get air? <laughs> oh my god! So, my buddy drags me to this thing this past weekend, man, and it was—it's just been a hoot. Like, it, it's been a hoot, and so he asked me to help him a couple times this week until he is able to staff up. Yeah, it is a trip, bro. I, wow, I think it would be that much fun, but I mean. 
have, you have beer. And Does he fill it up? I mean, he, are the yeah, seats? they're all filled. I mean, everyone's been full. I mean, wow. And uh, they've been booking it through uh, the website Living Social. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they, they book it through there, and you get all these private parties, and you know, or you can go on and say there are three seats left, and you buy those three seats or whatever. Huh. And, uh, so I mean, it goes uh, in 11, 1, 3, uh, 5, and seven. Uh huh. Wow. And uh, Thursday through <laughs> Sunday. Amazing. And it's it's such a trip, man. So. Hmm. He's kind of rocked my like, my world in the last few, you know. It's like actually it's been it's been two weeks now. Yeah. That I've been helping him out, and I'm like, man, you need staff up, dude. I can't be down there downtown all weekend away from the family. Right. You know, so. Okay. Yeah. Sounds like way too much exercise too. Mm. Piddling. <laughs> yeah. trip, man. So that's up. All right. Wow. That's amazing. Now, I'm thinking of a topic for a mini meeting. Let's come back and do us a mini meeting. We'll be back in just a moment here on the Pirate Month. And we're back on the Pirate Monk Podcast. You know, I had a couple guys tell me it's amazing when I go out and travel. I meet listeners to the podcast everywhere I go. I had a couple guys in the last few weekends tell me that uh, their favorite part of the show is when we do a mini-meeting. So... Yeah, let's do it. Let's do a quick mini meeting. Cool. Uh, welcome to this mini meeting of the Samson Society. As you know, we're a company of Christian men. We're also natural loners who recognize the dangers of isolation and are determined to escape them. We're natural wanderers who are finding spiritual peace and prosperity at home. Natural liars who are now finding freedom in the truth. Natural judges who are learning how to judge ourselves aright. And natural strongmen. We're experiencing God's strength as we admit our weaknesses. As Christians, we meet at other times for worship, for teaching, or for corporate prayer. Today, however, we meet to talk. Our purpose is to assist one another in our common journey. We do so by sharing honestly out of our own personal experience the challenges and encouragements of daily Christian living in a fallen world. Uh, We've now reached the sharing portion of our meeting. That was fast. Uh, In sharing, we speak honestly out of our own experience. We tell the truth about ourselves, knowing that our brothers will listen to us in love and will hold whatever we say in strictest confidence. Uh, We try to keep our comments brief, taking care to leave plenty of time for others. We address our statements to the group as a whole rather than directing them toward any one person. And as a rule, we refrain from giving advice to others or instructing them during the meeting, believing that such conversations are best preserved for private moments between friends. The suggested topic today is teamwork. Uh, And the floor is now open. I'm Mondo. Hey, Mondo. Mondo. Um, Teamwork. Uh, Quite relevant right now. I have a tendency sometimes to want to avoid teamwork. Um, can't really explain why I just do. It's kind of like a default when I get frustrated or ticked off enough or whatever. I just kind of shell up. And uh, just yesterday, something something happened and and just totally 180 of how the rest of my day was going. It was going cool. We got a, got a, a text and a phone call that just really shifted everything. I mean, just livid on the inside. Mm-hmm. 
so you know started kind of uh, shelling up and and uh, isolating myself emotionally and everything. Uh, then I get a phone call from a buddy who is begging me to meet with him. Like I, you know, I've never heard a man beg. Like, I, you know, of course I'm shelling up, so I'm like, yeah, all right, tomorrow, next day. He's like, no, like now, like. You know, he's just pulling and pulling. What I'm being selfish, like, yeah, I hear you, man, but you know, I'm, I live way out here and blah blah. blah. And he's like, ah, that's cool. He said, whatever. Like, I'll, I'll let me take you to dinner. I gotta meet now. Like, and it's, it literally goes on about five minutes. It's <laughs> just mm-hmm. me trying to get out of it, him trying to get, you know get me into it. And then so after a while, I said, all right, cool, fine. And I, can, and I feel terrible now looking back at it, because but at the time I was just in selfish mode and. Uh, so I ended up getting with him, and I, of course, had no idea why. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we sit down and, and uh, get to meet him, and I could see in his face and his eyes, it's just something. It's just something bad happened, and, and uh, so you know, he, he tells me uh, his wife filed, mm-hmm. and um, he did. You know, obviously he's distraught, doesn't know what to do, and there's a lot of everything that comes with that. Yeah, right. So immediately, I just felt like crap, like. Mm-hmm. And but it's interesting when he said teamwork. For me, it re- I didn't realize at the at the moment when he called, even while we were meeting, until later that night, even this morning, how we both needed it. Yeah. Because he needed it for obvious reasons, and I needed it so I wouldn't go down that rabbit hole of my own crap and mm-hmm. trying to figure out on my own and 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 you know just swallowing everything and basically you know eating the poison that I want that's really intended for somebody else you know what mm-hmm. I mean in my mind mm-hmm. like I'm just just dying on the inside so it was it was kind of cool to experience the, the teamwork aspect where I didn't want it he wanted it but we ended up doing it and afterwards how he he was able to move on at least for the next 12 hours or so yeah mm-hmm. um, and it actually kind of got me back on a better a better mindset of how to handle the situation and um and I don't know, man. I guess I, now we were talking last night, and I, I really I'm guilty of feeling like I can take care of it. Reality is I can't. That's just the reality of it. I can't mm-hmm. do it on my own. Uh, no matter how smart I think I am, or how strong I may be, or yeah. whatever, uh, the reality is all I have is my broken self, and and I can't fix me. And if I could fix me, it probably would prevent it a lot of things on the front end mm-hmm. and um, and then seeing yesterday just me sitting taking the time to sit with my friend yesterday uh, really checked me uh, as far as how you know we are uh, Samson's all about that right I mean you know mm-hmm. the community aspect but for some reason is just sometimes just that little thing pulling you just away from it yeah and uh, so it's, it's very important you know today I'm checking with them and and it's, and it's not just for him it's actually for me too mm-hmm. you know because um, a teamwork thing is not it's, it's two people being selfless it's not one person being selfless like I'm doing you a favor right it's a reciprocal yeah. thing that um, that I have to remind myself of you know regardless of who's got the hot seat at the moment yeah there's still very much a, a give and take and a reciprocal process where uh, we need each other regardless of what your day looks like so um, so that's, that's kind of where I am in my headspace right now I'm just trying to deal with that and uh and, and be there for my friend so uh, that's me Armando. thanks Mondo. So, um 
I'm Newton. I'll jump in. Hey, Newton. Uh, so teamwork to me, like <clears throat> whenever we're reading through, um, you know, the meeting format and all that, when we get to the part about being natural strongmen, mm. that's really what what I identify with. And to me, teamwork is the antidote, mm-hmm. or the or the antithesis of being, um, the the natural strongman. Um, I want to. I don't think it's a selfish thing. Um, I think I, I don't really know why I want to do it, but I want to not ask for help. I want to do things on my own. Um, maybe it's a maybe it's a self worth thing, or you know, feeling like a man that I don't need other people or whatever. Um, but I was reminded last night in um, in our meeting, our Samson meeting. Um, Tuesday nights in Nolensville if anybody needs a Tuesday night meeting and you're in the Nashville area. Um, about teamwork, our, our topic was hurt. <clears throat> and all the guys as they shared would, or most most of us, I think, started by saying, uh, I mean, maybe this isn't a big deal or mm-hmm. this, is, this is small. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of discounting their own their own hurt. You know, whatever whatever it was that they were talking about. And I think we sort of came, I know I did, came to this conclusion, hearing other guys share about, about their hurt, how common it all was. And how, you know, everybody thought that theirs was um, less consequential or was less of a big deal than the other guys. You know, like, I'm dealing with this, but you're dealing with something that's really heavy you know, I don't want to bring this because I feel like it's small. Yeah. But we all had it. You know, some kind of burden, some kind of, of hurt there. Um, and towards the end of our meeting, I mean, it just really occurred to me that there's there's a, a teamwork in that. There's a, a unity in that that says, well, you think yours is less than mine, but, man, when you share that, I really identify with it. And it makes me... It validates where I am mm-hmm. you know that there's a teamwork in that meeting even no matter what we're talking about whether it's hurt <clears throat> or or anything else that there's a, a validation when we work together and when yeah. I'm willing to be open with you and I'm willing to say you know what I can't do this by myself I yeah. can't carry this um, on my own I need somebody else to help me with it I need to reveal myself you know and be and be vulnerable there yeah um but it, it doesn't come easy. Um, but man, when it works and when I'm willing to do it, it sure makes the process easier. Yeah. It doesn't make it easy, but it makes it easier. You know, it's like two guys can carry a three-person load easier than one guy carrying a one-person load. Yeah. You know, because you know there's somebody else walking alongside you. Um, so that's that's what I think of when I think of teamwork. My My unwillingness to want to do it yeah um but i guess the gratitude for for the availability of it so uh that's it i'm newton thanks newton i'm nate well you know we often say in samson that christianity is a team sport not an individual event and i often say that that i'm a colossal failure as a solo disciple for the very simple reason that Jesus doesn't have any solo disciples. Uh, 
and as easy as that is to say, it is still difficult for me to integrate that into my daily life. And I know I'm not alone there. I got another reminder this last week with the news that a good friend uh, whose model of ministry I very much admire because it's team ministry, a uh, thriving church with a large team. Uh, and yet, uh, you know, in the last week, just disaster as word comes out that, you know, my friend was trying to handle the personal vulnerability all on his own and hadn't let anybody else on the team know. Uh, I can understand why he felt uh, that he couldn't share it. We really have got some ground we have to make up here in the prevailing church culture. We're still far too pharisaical when it comes to human weakness. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, you know, my friend battled something, and I, you know, I so I, I know that I know that losing battle myself. I know that. Uh, you know, accountability for me only goes so far. If accountability is, I still carry on the struggle alone and I just report periodically on my progress. I can be accountable in areas where I'm not addicted, but if I've got, if I got something uh, that, that's eaten my lunch, and, and we all have something that's eaten our lunch, in that area, I need team members. Um, I need somebody I can pass the ball to. I need somebody who can, who can, who can watch my back, uh, who love me enough to step in and ask a difficult question, uh, and offer the sympathetic hand. Uh, I need a safe place to go, uh, with uh, the knowledge that I will not be ejected from the team for failure. Um, and that will mean. You know, it's very humbling to uh, ask somebody else to be a team member. You know, I have a pretty good pattern of asking somebody to be my Silas or my sponsor and then withholding crucial pieces of information. Hmm. What's that about? Because um, you know, I still would like to be the captain of my own fate. like to handle it myself. Um, and also, I think we all have, or at least I have, I shouldn't generalize from my own weakness, but I know that I have this deep-seating conviction that really nobody could understand me completely. I'm terminally unique, right? Um, and, uh, and I still have too high an opinion of uh, my own critical skills. I tend to... Uh, so I, you know, so I, I want to do more than I can do. So, uh, you know, my friend's struggle has been another reminder to me. It just jolted me back into reality. You know, where I tempt, where I tend to drift is I tend to drift from this is a team sport, and I'm a member of the team, and other members have. Uh, different roles and different gifts, and uh, you know, I need people who are different from me in order for this team to be successful. I need to respect their differences, right? I tend to drift from that to this is a team sport, and I'm the coach, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right? Uh -huh. 
Uh huh. And I want my own office, and I want to be the guy who calls strategy, and I want to be the guy who calls the plays, right? Yeah. Right. Um, but I'm not the coach. I'm another bozo on the bench, is what I am. Hmm. And uh, we do have a coach, thank God. Uh, anyway, uh, grateful for another reminder that this life of following Jesus, we can only follow him together. And and uh, I see it as a challenge, a personal challenge for me to take teamwork to the next level and resist that slide back toward isolation. Mm. Uh, I'll stop there. Thanks, I'm mm. Nate. Thanks, okay. Nate. All right. Well, we've got a fascinating guest, and we will uh, grill him mercilessly when we return <laughs> here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Check. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a career as a buccaneer, it's the life of a pirate for me, oh, the life of a pirate for me. All right, and we are back on the Pirate Monk Podcast with my good friend, uh, well, I guess all you guys are my good friends, but, right, (laughs) but best, best comeback ever, right? Yeah. Um, This is the last time I lead back in out of a break. Um, It's like washing something red with something white. You just do it once, you never do laundry again. Look, let's do it again. I want you to pick it back up and go, and we're back, but say Pirate Monk Podcast with some feeling. All right. And we're back on the Pirate Monk Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I never can do it like the boss. No. Um, with uh, my friend Rob Murray. I've known Rob for, well, six, six years. Maybe six years. Um, wow. And Rob is uh, one, of, one of my favorite people. And I, I think you know that. Oh, shucks. Um, one of my favorite people um, just always into something good, usually good. Um, always excited about what I'm doing and what's going on in my life, not just in business, but in my life. And Rob and a buddy of his have written this, and I'm holding a copy now. I'll, uh, I'll try to tweet a picture of, of my copy later. Uh, so if you're not following us on Twitter, you should. Um, of this awesome devotional book uh, based on the Sermon on the Mount called Living Alive. Um, so we're going to talk about that a little bit. And um, let's talk about Rob a little first. I I, yeah. I, I discern I everybody should know <laughs> where Rob's from, right? I, I discern from his accent that Rob is from Alabama. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm from the South. Okay, the, the deep South, South Africa. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I was born and raised in South Africa. Uh, they finally convinced me to start wearing clothing about two or three years ago. So the loinskins are gone. But, uh, yeah, born and raised in South Africa. I ended up chasing my wife to America. I met her in Europe. We were both in music back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I uh, came to America to take your woman. And uh, I got to uh, marry uh, my wife. We've been married a little over ten years now. And uh, four kids later. So somebody can explain where those come from because they keep showing up. <laughs> But, uh, we can talk about that later. <laughs> you need to go back a few episodes. I need an, an intervention. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so back in, you know... Oh, we going? No, keep yeah, going. So we're, uh, don't worry, guys. We're just getting held at gunpoint. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so America's been home. Orange County for a couple of years, four or five mm-hmm. years, and then Nashville now for about another six or seven years. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, 
being a youth pastor, being a musician, businessman, uh, social entrepreneur, um, and uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a fun journey. Just to be a disciple of Christ has probably been the most exciting. I mean, and that truly is never a dull moment. Mm-hmm. Never mm-hmm. a dull moment. Now, were you raised in a Christian home, Rob? I was not. I I was taken through about five or six divorces as a kid. Oh uh, wow! So I came in, uh, you know, speaking about teamwork and and the opposite of that, independence. I was kind of forced into an independent spirit pretty young, where you mm-hmm. kind of have to start figuring it out for yourself. And mm-hmm. um, and so coming out of that childhood, I gave my life to the Lord. Chased a girl, the youth group. Mm-hmm. Uh, I figured that if I have to make out with her, we have to go to this place called Youth Group. And I got to Youth Group and uh, thinking I was going to get a kiss. And the next thing, uh, mm-hmm. the guy got up on stage and preached the gospel, man. And I just, uh, probably eighth grade, and I just dropped to my knees, gave my life to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Broke this kind of cycle in my family. And yeah. uh, just unbelievable to have been captured by the gospel at that age. And uh mm-hmm. So went there for one thing, and God had a bait and switch plan. Yeah, it worked out pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and from there you wound up in music. How did that take us a little bit through those years? Yeah, I. Uh, funny enough, again, talk about needing people in your life. Uh, eighth grade, come to the Lord, and next thing you know, I, I realized got to find some buddies. Mm-hmm. Ended up with three friends. Mm-hmm. Um, all in the same grade. We we ended up going through high school together. We ended up going to college together. We ended up starting the band just out of high school. So wow. it was the same four guys, and we just lived life. Mm-hmm. Uh, went through college together, played music on the weekends, jumped on airplanes and flew somewhere and back, and back to school on Monday. And uh, But it was just these, these four guys that we got to live life together with, and that, that really became my community, my the, the guys, we kind of discipled each other mm-hmm. uh, through this. And for me, it was great because these guys were a couple steps ahead of, uh, the, you know, in their walk, and, mm-hmm. and I got kind of ingrained into that. And then music, you know, started it kind of coming out of high school, and the next thing you know, in South Africa, we did, you know, well enough to be able to um, make a semi-living off it through college, so it was mm-hmm. a good way to do it. I, and thankfully, I ended up in Europe on a tour where I got to meet my wife, so that worked out well. For that you. worked out pretty good, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's 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 a good past. I don't do I don't play anymore, um, mm-hmm. but that it's good. It got me where I needed to be. So. Yeah. Now, what were your big impressions of America when you showed up? Uh, you wound up was was Orange County the first place in America you you put down roots? No, my wife's record company was in Nashville, so when I first came here, I spent six months in Nashville. Okay. So I showed up here in the mid- middle of, uh, you know, Brentwood, Tennessee. Right. Uh, you know, America, I, I never really had an interest in coming to America. I think we kind of had the South Africa, we kind of had the, you know, Americans, a bunch of pompous, arrogant, you know, so-and-sos. Right. And I, it's just kind of that world stage perspective of big mm-hmm. bully and, yeah. you know, and and I just never really had an interest. It was just wasn't anything. It was just a gained impression from the news, you know, probably right. uh, BBC and whoever else. But yeah. long story short is I showed up here and couldn't believe just some real people, real people that love the Lord, a country that um, I've really grown to love, um, but showed up in Nashville and just got welcomed in. 
<laughs> it was a little tough at first. My accent was heavier, and I couldn't get anything done. Every time I'd speak to somebody, they'd go, what? Like, kind of, <laughs> I remember trying to set up a water bill, and I was like, water. You know, my lady's like, what? I'm like, water. Okay, water. <laughs> well, I'd go through the Starbucks drive through and it'd be just impossible. <laughs> impossible. You know, try to order a water in the drive through and see what you get. <laughs> you want a water what? Yeah, a water what? <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so it, it was a good journey to the U.S., and it, it's become just such a great home to, to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, um, I'm interested in the social entrepreneurship uh, as stage of your life. and what you uh, Describe that yeah. for us. So, you know, I come out of a music background. I, I was, uh, I had then uh, worked as a youth pastor over Sword Junior High and high school youth groups. I uh, have a lot of background in church ministry. Mm-hmm. I came out of that into working with our family business for several years. And I, I've just had a call and a passion to connect the divide between church and business mm-hmm. um, and then also between businesses and social good. So you've got all these companies out there, business, uh, maybe Christian businesses too, or just regular businesses. How do we help those businesses be more socially minded? Mm-hmm. Where they're thinking maybe about the planet or people or about purpose mm-hmm. rather than just profit. Mm-hmm. How do we help churches not just have a bunch of pew sitters, people sitting on chairs every week? And how do we help mm-hmm. pastors and leaders realize it's not just about the guy that gets up and preaches a sermon. These, this is the body of Christ. Yes. Right. How do we help them realize you know, the the businessmen that are sitting there, the the plumbers, the, mm-hmm. the doctors, the nurses, these are people that have been called by God to be a light to the world. Yeah. So I'm very excited. My kind of passion is connecting the dots between the church and the business world, the business world and social good. Um, so then that kind of what, that's kind of my experience has done that. About three years ago, I started my master's degree in social entrepreneurship because I'm in business and I'm realizing... I, Business has always been a vehicle. Uh, the church should be a vehicle too, mm-hmm. really. Everything right. is a vehicle. And so my question, for me, I realized I wanted my business experience to be so much more um, for the kingdom. Yeah. Started studying social entrepreneurship. Um, looked around. MBAs were great, but I wanted something that was an MBA, kind of meets Tom Shoes, meets Change the World. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. Know, and, and I found what I needed, and these classes were incredible. Helps me... So that I kind of dived into that world. And what I realized was it brought so much of me alive to realize that what I've kind of, three years later, I'll be graduating in June, thankfully. Um, it's been a long road, a good mm-hmm. one, but exhausting. Um, but I'm coming out of it with the, with the ability to help nonprofits think a little more uh, sustainably. Yes. And to help businesses think more socially. So that's been my focus for my degree. Go into nonprofits and help them think, you know, okay, how do you not just keep having to raise money yeah and then uh, helping businesses go okay what are you going to do with your money mm-hmm. right um, and so that's kind of pushed me into that um, area but I remember being 8th or ninth grade after I'd given my life to the Lord that I, I remember I wanted to be a conduit uh, for the Lord in the business world uh, to either shuffle money it didn't have to be mine mm-hmm. it's just a conduit of, of connecting the resources and the people from business from the business world into what God is up to in the rest of the world outside yeah. of those avenues. Um, and thankfully, this degree has just opened my mind. I mean, I'm, I go to school with people that are doing all sorts of things that will just inspire you and challenge you and rock you. Mm. So I'm constantly got my eyes open and my ears open for how do we do what we do right. for more reasons than what we do it. 
Yeah, um, right. And so it's it's been a good journey. Yeah, and I just heard an interview with Bob Goff and Don Miller. Yeah. Don interviewed Bob. I think that's how it worked. Um, and I know that I think you know Bob. He at yeah. least wrote some like a forward on your book. Um, but he talked about he didn't want to backfill his job with his life. He wanted his life to be his purpose and backfill it with a job, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, do what you got to do to make money to make your life be what you your life should be. And it seems like that you kind of take that same approach, yeah. you know, in business. And, like, this is what I'm going to do. And if, if I make money with it, this is how it's going to make money. Or if it doesn't make money, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Know? Yeah, there's so many ways uh, to approach what we do we've all been given something Mm -hmm. um, to steward and I think it's just for me it's a question of okay are we being diligent stewards and secondly are we uh, you guys are probably familiar with this in in the Samson Society but are you also calling out the impure motives Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. hey I'm I'm doing this we wrote this book okay Mm -hmm. well what's what are your good motives we can all talk about those but, Mm -hmm. but but I think bringing to light in a business okay I'm gonna be honest I really want to make money and pay for my new house or mm-hmm. just call it what right. it is right now everyone knows that okay now what do you want to do for good now, right. and now everything's right. out on the table and that allows us to yeah. rearrange our motives which I think we, we like you said we keep the, some of those so hidden mm-hmm. and that's to put forward that facade yeah. Yeah. and that's uncomfortable and necessary you've done that with me at the crag like why do you want to do this like this, yeah. whatever project we're doing like why and I'll give you the good answer. Yeah. And then you say, well, then what's the shadow answer? <laughs> like, what's what's the Ooh, what's yeah. the the other what part? What a great of that question. Says, yeah. You know, and that's so important to look at. You know, and it's, it's not, not embarrassing. Bad. It's not. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it doesn't feel good, but it's the truth. So let's just get it all out there, especially with people that right. you know. Right. Yeah. Yes. It hurts so good, as my father-in-law says. And that's that is what integrity is about it's right. integration between that bright self and shadow self yeah. right pirate yeah. and monk right not right. hiding any of it that way we don't get mugged by the pirate right because we haven't acknowledged him right yeah wow <laughs> now I'm looking at this little book and the brilliant way that you guys have rethought what a book should look like. It puts me in mind of a story I heard years ago about the guy who showed up in town with an idea for a book that every publisher in town turned down. It was a collection of aphorisms that he wanted to call Life's Little Instruction Book. Hmm. And nobody would take it on, so he finally got a printer and printed it himself, but he kind of rethought what the book should look like, and he said, you know, this is really a bathroom book, so it needs to fit on the top of the toilet tank. Yeah. And so they sized the book to fit on the toilet tank perfectly. Yeah. Boom. Winner. <laughs> uh, you guys have kind of rethought. If this is going to be a useful book, then... Yeah, we... You know, I, I thought this. I thought, what? Number one, I'm a guy... So Living Alive is a 28-day action devotional. Right. And there'll probably be some more that'll come from it. This one the ser- takes you through the Sermon on the Mount. I right. figured if God comes to earth and preaches a sermon, there's probably something there. Yeah. We should probably start there. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, let's start with that, and then kind of everything else is commentary, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But I thought, okay, firstly, kind of selfishly, I'm a guy, so it's got to be short. Right. Secondly, it's got to, prom- it's got to push you to action. Right. Guys want to get something done. 
So there's got to be something more to it. Secondly, it's got to be something you can put in your back pocket and you can take with you throughout the day or whatever else. And then a point that you know we had spoke about earlier is it's also had to be something that you have to do with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we are unfortunately, especially America, even more so. The Western world is so individualistic. Yeah, yeah. it's so self-serving. And Jesus is not coming back for me. He's mm-hmm. coming back for the church. He's right. coming back for the body. Yeah. So this whole independent Christianity that we have subscribed to, it just doesn't exist. Right. You know, I think when God sees us, He sees His bride. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 so for me. Jesus himself, God himself, is a trinity. Mm-hmm. How much more he's inviting us into that dance, or dance, as you would mm-hmm. say. <laughs> that he's, he's inviting us into that story. So, so living alive, to me, has to be something small, short, but the rest of the devotional, it's not what you read, it's what you do once you've read it. Mm-hmm. And the whole premise of an action devotional, I was so tired of learning. I feel like we know so much about Yes. We know so much. But Jesus himself says in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, if you listen to what I say, but you don't do it, you're like a fool mm-hmm. who builds his house on the sand. But if you listen to what I say and you do it, you're like a wise man. That's not about being wise or foolish and building your house. That's about whether you do or whether you don't do what Jesus says. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of said, let's break down the Sermon on the Mount. And it's like intense stuff in there. Mm-hmm. And every day... We go through it. We get to the end of it, and it's like, okay, now we've got to do this. There's mm-hmm. days on there to love your enemy. Mm-hmm. There's days in there about adultery, which is really not when you're going out to be with some woman. It's in your. Jesus says, well, you think that's adultery if you just conceive it in your mind. Yeah. There's a day in here where you have to get a hold of your buddies and say, you know, this is what's going on inside of my mind with that guy's wife or yeah. with <laughs> that girl or with the, the lady at the bank. Yeah. And you start confessing your thoughts. Yeah. Or we can just read the Sermon on the Mount and say, oh, that's a nice scripture. Yeah. And move along. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but then we become the fool. Yeah. yeah. And we're building a house on a foundation that is shifty. Mm. So this is, you know, there's days where you have to love your enemy. Jesus says, love your enemy. You get to the end of our devotional and it's like, oh, I had to, re- I had to like rekindle four or five relationships where I'd mm-hmm. have to call up friends and go, hmm. I don't know what's going on with us, but there's something we need to make it work. Let's mm-hmm. get together. Mm-hmm. That was an awkward conversation to have. Mm-hmm. But as you start to do what Jesus does, it liberates us, I believe, to become the body of Christ that is all about peace and unity yeah. and doing what Jesus said because we ultimately are saying, Dad, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, you know what's best for my life. Mm-hmm. And it is uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You will be very uncomfortable doing this. I'm sure you guys have some uncomfortable Mm-hmm. parts to your program and this right. that's for me what it was I was sick and tired of like the feel good Christianity yeah. right. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of tired of knowing so much and yeah. not doing you know right. something with what I already know yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah you know so and it's and you you kind of put that into action with not just the form factor of the book but how you guys make it you well describe the book for the listeners yeah. they, they're yeah. thinking of a book I'm right. what I'm looking at it's <laughs> doesn't look like a book. It's, it's what, looks like a wallet. Yeah, it, it, like it doesn't look like a wallet. Yeah, so we, uh, you know, I thought, how do we take something and slip it in your back pocket and have it look kind of cool and kind of get outside the norm? And, and it's a little special 28-day experience. And mm-hmm. It's kind of like going on a detox. Mm-hmm. And I just, we thought we would add something to it, add a little charm. And the long story short of it is also, talking about social entrepreneurship, you know, I've been doing some work for a nonprofit called the Hands and Feet Project. They do orphan care in Haiti. Mm-hmm. 
And I thought, man, this is a good excuse to get over there. There's some of the right. older kids are transitioning out of orphan care. Let's get them to make this little book. And mm. I was actually in London where I saw something like this in one of the markets, something close to this. And I thought, man, leather and paper, and it kind of got that feel and smell. And the, yeah. And, and, and I thought, let me get over to Haiti. So, so we went over to Haiti and basically trained five boys um, that are kind of growing up out of orphan care to make these books, to stamp them, to dye them, to assemble them. We took the pages over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, you'll see it, the pages get drilled in and the, and the thread gets put around and it's... It's, they're hand-bound. They're all hand-bound and made by these kids in Haiti. And, and for me, that's not, the, that's not the selling point. We don't sit there and try to market mm-hmm. and commercialize on that. Those are my, I know those boys. I, I, I live life with those boys. This is an experience to give them a part-time job. Mm-hmm. But, but tell to me what, what is a pretty cool, fun little story. Um, mm-hmm. And then it ends up in somebody's back pocket. And um, it, it's been an incredible little journey. But, yeah, the Newton will have to post a picture of it. Um, definitely a little unusual looking, huh? Yeah, it does. It looks like a, almost like a coin purse, and it's about that size. It's hand bound. Um, it's three when it's open. It's three inches by or four inches by what eight, eight inches. Yeah. Um, and it's it's really cool. It fits right in my bag. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great little book that's not hard to keep up with, or keep on you, or keep around you. You know, back yeah. pocket. It's in my briefcase. The neat thing is the. Those five boys, what we taught them, I, you know, I said to them, listen, this, when I was down there, I'm like, they got, they got paid to do what they do, they got an experience, but I said, mm-hmm. you guys are learning how to do something. Mm-hmm. Well, since they've been making our books, I mean, we, they, those guys have plowed through thousands of these books for us, mm-hmm. but since they've been making these books, they've learned these skills to work with leather, and since then, the Hands and Feet Project, we've expanded all these other products that these kids are now making. Wow. And there's now like 12 or 15 people down there that are working, and they're using the skills that came from just making this little book like maybe a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And now they're making these incredible products that will eventually come into the States and be sold at band tables and all sorts of stuff. So it's just fun. That's kind of part of social entrepreneurship. Where you look at it, now I could have gone to China, Right. And I could have done this way cheaper. Yeah. I could have done it in town, and it could have been way cheaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many ways to make money. But this project has never been about that. It's right. empowering people. It's, it's, for, it's for them, and it's been really cool to see that. And hopefully mm-hmm. it's for the people that buy it and go through 28 days and get their tail kicked by really <laughs> a sermon that Jesus preached and told yeah. us to go out there and do. Right. Now, could listeners go online and buy this book? They sure can. If you go to livingalivebook.com. Okay. livingalivebook.com If you don't understand South African, that's <laughs> livingalivebook.com <laughs> If you don't understand and Gal- what's in it, Gandalf? You know? <laughs> and, uh, I'll, I'll wrap, uh, you know, uh, just to frame one more thing, is, is what Mike and I, Mike's in a band called 10th Avenue North, and mm-hmm. Mike and I woke up one day several years ago, five years ago, and we were talking about, even in the midst of community, sometimes we realize we need more a deeper level of community. Mm-hmm. Mike's always around people in music. I'm always around people. And we, Mike and I looked at each other one day and we said, we really need each other more than what we're letting on. Mm-hmm. And we kind of gave ourselves into that need. And, and five years later of our relationship, this thing came out of our, it was kind of the fruit of our relationship. Mm-hmm. But then we realized in Matthew 5 and 7, Jesus goes up onto a mountain and he teaches people the Sermon on the Mount. Mm-hmm. But he, Matthew 8 and 9 it's recorded that Jesus comes off the mountain and he starts to do incredible miracles. People follow him. He's healing the blind. He's casting out demons. 
So he goes up and teaches about the kingdom. Then in 8 and 9, Matthew 8 and 9, he starts to show you what the kingdom looks like. Mm. But then in Matthew 10, it says Jesus then sends out his disciples. Yeah. So our whole premise is learn, watch Jesus, mm-hmm. but then that point comes where you need to go out and do, do it. Yeah. And yeah. it's just been a great experience. Wow. Because yeah. what's, the, what's the point if you're not doing it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Rob, this has been a real treat to have you with us. Thanks and, for having me. And, yeah, thanks for coming in. It's always great to have the with the guest actually physically with us here in the yeah. room. Yeah. And uh, it's a shame that Aaron wasn't able to join us today, but uh, he'll be with us. He's going to be in studio here in a couple of weeks. Yeah. That'll be good. We'll have a good time. Rob Murray, again, thanks so much. The Living Alive book at livingalivebook.com. Uh, do check it out. And... Um, uh, we trust that something you've heard today from the blithering idiots in this room, <laughs> God is going to use, because uh, He just has this thing about using blithering idiots. It's yeah. a good thing. Worked All right. Out well, for me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, until next time, Nate Newton Mondo and my good friend Rob Murray saying goodbye from the Pirate Moment Podcast. Hear me.